The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of it, we're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update. Valerie Cox, the journalist and author, is with me, as is Gina London, the leadership communications expert, Sunday Independent columnist as well. Uh, you're both very, very welcome. Good to see you both. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we might start with uh, Father Declan McInerney, actually, uh, this priest in County Galway. Uh, for people who uh, didn't hear, uh, this is kind of doing the rounds on social media, but it mightn't have come onto your radar yet. This is a little clip of a sermon he gave talking about Bambi Thug. Watching the Late Late Show on Friday night. Now brace yourselves, my friends, for this one. I switched on and to discover it was the selection process for Eurosong, a song that will leave Ireland, that will represent Ireland and the Irish people and what we are all about, my friends. And all I can say is we are finished. We are finished as a country. And before anyone jumps on their high horse and go, he's giving out now about certain orientations. I couldn't give two continental hoots what anybody is, but I don't need it slammed in my face on the Late Late Toy Show, or whatever you call that show us. Whatever hope RTE has of getting any one of us to pay a licence has certainly now, for me, gone out the window. I never watched such rubbish in all my life. Yep, Father Declan McInerney. I mean, there's so much to unpick there. Uh, he's not going to pay his television licence. Uh, he is uh, joining that brigade. Uh, that is the first thing. Um, he doesn't do a great job of uh, convincing me that he doesn't give, what did he say? I don't give two continentals uh, uh, what people are. I'm, I'm not so sure if I believe that. Um, Valerie, what did you make of this? Well, come back, Father Ted, all is forgiven, you know. <laughs> I mean, you really could have been listening to a script there. But I think one thing that is very important before we start pulling the poor man to bits is, um, you know, he was giving a sermon to the faithful in his own church. There were people who had gone in voluntarily to listen to him, who presumably do that every week. And he's perfectly entitled to do that on all matters of morals, opinions and so on. I mean, we have this in every other religion, Church of Ireland, Islam, everything. Their clerics go in and they tell them and they very often relate it to things that are in the news. So I think what he was doing was perfectly ordinary. And, you know, the people who are objecting to it, ourselves mostly, I suppose, um, and we're unpicking it. We're not part of his congregation. We're not part of his flock. And we have to just keep that at the back of our minds mm. when we are talking about this. I mean, to be honest, um, Bambi Thug would not be everybody's cup of tea anyway. And for me, I think it's a frightful representation that we're sending to Eurovision. I mean, I heard the song numerous times it's a dreadful song I, well I haven't heard it yet <laughs> it's pretty awful and I mean there were there was good stuff in it I don't know how it got picked I really don't I mean Sean Davies' daughter had a lovely piece in it half an Irish or whatever but it's almost like sending Dustin the turkey to Eurovision it really is so, <laughs> bring I mean, back what do you say bring back Father Ted bring, bring back, back Dustin Ted, bring back Dustin all bring back forgiven. Dustin as well you know um, it's, it's a difficult one I mean he, he says look her, the singer's orientation is nothing to do with 
with me, you know, uh, although it was slammed in my face. Well, that's his personal opinion. That's okay. Um, he's not criticising her for, for that. He's really criticising RTE more than anything else for putting this in primetime television. I know he said the Choice Show. I think he meant Eurovision. Not a huge difference, maybe, you know. Um, but it, 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 He's got other channels. This is his channel, you see. And I'm just wondering who videoed it. Was it himself? Well, I assume it's, a, I guess, I see post-COVID now, all these sermons are streamed online so that people can watch them from at home. You don't oh, do that right. on a Sunday, Valerie. Flick around and watch, pick up the sermons in different parishes around the country. Find out who's oh, talking about what. Didn't know that was oh, your that's hobby. a little, little insight into my life there now of a Sunday. Gina, think, what do you well, think? I, I take a little different tack on this one. I mean, yes, he's speaking to his parish in this situation, apparently, as Valerie points out. But he's also speaking as part of the Catholic Church, right? And if you're talking about a... a entity in this country that is losing numbers and is trying to gain more numbers and then you're essentially unwelcoming a whole group of people even though he claims he's not he certainly isn't in favor not just of the song but of what Bambi Thug represents in many ways because later on in his sermon or what he was whatever you want to call that I wouldn't call it a sermon he starts talking about the the word he hasn't referred to it but the word queer that 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 they had on their jacket and you talk about the whole idea of this type of just controversy around a song and it's performance and it's art. And is it your cup of tea? It doesn't have to be your cup of tea. I've seen enough Eurovisions now that I've moved here. A lot of those acts are not a lot of people's cup of teas. And I wouldn't say that they necessarily have to be all inclusively reflective mm. of the country as a big banner to the country. It does remind me a lot, actually, of the nonsensical backlash that happened last year in the Grammy when Sam Smith sang Unholy on stage and there was a big backlash about their attire and what that mm. signified. And when you think, too, that the Catholic Church, as is personified by the Pope, has been on record talking about God loves everyone. And that includes welcoming the LGBTQ plus community. I think it's a mixed message. I certainly don't think it does we, any I, help to a person who, yeah. by the way, this Bambi thug, as they have pointed out, I'm a person, I'm human. There's been a lot of trolling of this, of Bambi, since this song has come out on social media. And a person that is supposed to be of God, of the cloth, of loving, saying things like this that are not certainly helpful to yeah. this person. What's that a reflection of? Does Valerie have a point, though, that we do sometimes criticise um, it seems, from my point of view, that we would criticise Catholic priests for expressing Catholic views. But I just pointed you know, out that I, it's I, a discord no. with the Catholic view as, as reflected by Pope Francis. No, but, but OK, so let's move it away from Bambi Thug. I mean, you know, if, when a Catholic priest expresses the view that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman and I am pro-life and anti-abortion and, and, and whatever else happens to be, I mean, that they're, they generally speaking will come in for criticizing okay, for, for well, expressing let's those. Let's, let's, let's dissect well, it. Let's dissect well, it from doctrine. communications then from that standpoint. It wasn't merely, I disagree with how this person is dressed. I disagree with, I don't love the song. It was much stronger than that. It was much more pejorative than that. It was a much more, I don't like it, slapped in my face. That's a lot more. Kind of a personal attack? It's more incendiary against that person, what that person represents. Even though you put a disclaimer out there that I don't, with the continental hoot, that in of itself is almost a glib way to frame it. So by no means mm. was this sermon, this rant, whatever you want to call it, something where let's be inclusive, let's be loving, let's bring someone in, which is essentially the whole essence of what God's love is supposed to be about, right? 
Valerie, was it a personal attack? And I mean, Gina's right. Bambi Thug has come in for awful criticism. It has. And, you know, for that reason, I don't think um, he was just singling it out, singling the singer out because it's been all over social media and all the rest of it. I mean, he didn't even have to watch Eurovision. He didn't have to watch the Late Late Show to see it and to have an opinion. And, uh, you know, funny enough, nobody in the church walked out. They all listened to him. I understand that there were people that walked out when the guest speaker then that came afterwards did speak. I understand that that person went into a lot more gender bending and built on pawn the platform that well, the that's father not began the publicity. with. This one is. I, I wonder why not. Yeah, I think it's well, a I guess deeper, the, deeper read. The, the Catholic priest yeah. element of it, maybe. And, and I suppose we are very inclined to jump on the bandwagon and be lovely if he got up and said, you know, given as you said, a lovely inclusive sermon. But like, why should he? You know, it's really none of our business. It's the business of himself and his parishioners. If the sermon of... I, look, I'm not Catholic. I've been to Catholic services. I've been to many church services. I was raised in a church. When you have a parish and you are that spokesperson for that parish, and that is the style of of speaking that you give to that parish, are you sending a message of care, sending a message of... You can disagree with people. You can disagree with lots of things. But I, I certainly don't think that this was a good reflection. Is it his right? Maybe. But is it helpful in what would be the bigger cost of increasing numbers to the that Catholic parish and the, the community that mm. it must serve? But it's a bit wonder. wider, isn't it? I mean, if we look at all of the social media backlash, why was this happening? You know, we weren't giving her a chance as a singer, maybe. Well, well yeah, and why jump on and the why? Band, why jump on the bandwagon of opinion and vitriol when you could jump on a bandwagon that is? Let's unpack this. Where is this coming from? Where did this person get this? And by the way, I frankly think that not the rappy part necessarily and the weird laughter part, but the part where she sings, it's a little Amy Winehouse. Or they say, well, excuse me. Apologies That's- to Valerie, as one of our listeners, but I say this as a professional musician with an MA in composition <laughs> with thirty years experience of professional playing Bambi Thug, the song far, far musically clever and sophisticated than anything we've said okay. in a number of years. Well, obviously the judges agreed. Well, Frank in uh, Donegal <laughs> says the priest is 100% right. Uh, Noel says, uh, well, Noel is on Bambi Thug's side of the musical argument, the best thing we've sent in a long time. The priest said what the majority thinks, says Willie in Limerick. David and Cavan, how dare that priest take the moral high ground on judging people. Anyway, 0874 uh, a split decision. We might come back to it a little bit later uh, in the show. Um, I want to talk about Joe Biden now. So, <sighs> Gina, Gina, I'm going to come to you first on this. So this special counsel's report has been like it's fairly critical uh, of Joe Biden. He's not going to face uh, any charges or any uh, further investigations. But he did talk about uh, the uh, 81 year old president's memory is hazy, fuzzy, faulty and poor with significant limitations, saying he couldn't recall defining milestones in his own life. Yeah, this is an unfortunate thing for the president at this time during this like most bitter and unusual election between a 78-year-old man and an 81-year-old man and, and all of the 91 indictments on Trump and then the flubs on his Trump side and the flubs on Biden's side. I mean, and this is just not the match of the titans that we would be hoping for in 2024. But here we have Robert Herr, special counsel, appointed, by the way, by Merrick Garland, the attorney general who was a largely Democrat appointed, and Robert Herr, a Republican who came out then and the findings in the 379 page report 
do say, yeah, no charges. It could be several reasons that were cited, including that maybe these documents that were found in Biden's home were put there when he was a vice president. Could also be because that uh, he... The, 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 the documents might have been also because they were, he also noticed, excuse me, that he was cooperating as mm-hmm. in Biden was cooperating, which, which of course we know that, that Donald Trump did not. But yet, as you mentioned, this is what is just absolutely not good is that he talks a number of times about other reasons why, if I put this to trial, that there would be a jury that would be sympathetic because one of the things you said, was one of the quotes. He also said he's sympathetic, well-meaning, and elderly man with a poor memory. And even though Biden did go on yesterday in front of the press to really, in a fiery talk, refute these things, and one of the points that the special counsel made in this report was that Biden was unable to recall a number of times the date in which his Mm -hmm. eldest son, Beau, died. And Joe Biden defiantly yesterday did deny that. But yet, this is just coming on the heels of him making some gaffes a couple of days ago or last week when he was talking about a 2021 meeting in which he was speaking with Mitterrand, the former prime minister mm. of, of of France, who's been dead long before yeah. 2021. And these types of gaffes, it's not going well. The perception's already been there about his potential senility and his ability to run. And yet here we have these two presidential contenders. It's unlike anything that any of us have seen before. Mm. Valerie, I mean, you've been a very vocal and effective advocate for, um, if, I don't know if you see yourself this way, but I would, uh, for for uh, people of a certain age not being excluded from public life. Yeah. You know what I mean? That there's a value uh, yeah, in mean, people that, just because they get older. We shouldn't forget about I mean, it. I ran as an independent in the last election on that particular yes. platform. But, and I think it's nothing to do with his age. It's to do with his health, yeah. physically, mentally, which has made him a very vulnerable person. Yeah. He needs to stand down out of the election and stand down as president even now. I mean, you know, I was just looking at some of the gaffes and as you mentioned, he mixed up Emmanuel Macron with Francois Mitterrand. He mixed up the former, former German leader, Angela Helmut Merkel, Kohl. with Helmut Kohl. He's been dead for, I think, five or six years. And he referred to the president of Egypt as the president of Mexico. Um, I think also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you watch all the Sky News and all the rest of it over the last while, that his team around him have moved in. They're very much minding him as this liability, vulnerable elderly man, whatever it is. And they're limiting the media opportunities. Now, I was just watching it during the week and a lot of his opportunities seem to be done just as he's about to board a plane or a helicopter. So, they don't last very long. Yeah. The noise dro- dro- uh, is drowned out with the noise of the helicopter by the engines and that might cover up, you know, some of his perceived mistakes. But I think it's, you know, it's so sad to have his colleagues at all of these meetings and events just laughing at him, you know, taking the mick, grinning. Mm. That's not good. I the agree. man is obviously way beyond being president. He's a sick man and he should be stood down and those closest to him should organise that when, immediately. And I, you know what, when he came, when he, I agree with Valerie on this and it's not because of the number, it's because of the, the behaviour and the unfortunate, the unfortunate frailty that we're seeing from his physicality as well as we think his mental too. I'm not saying that Trump's, by the way, an ace of spades <laughs> in those categories as well. But let's just, because we're focusing on Biden, when he was here in April, 
Yeah. Which by all accounts was a really well-received, successful event. A buddy of mine who runs some of Biden's campaign work in the West part of the U.S., I said, Greg, please, can you talk to Valerie, who is his number one advocate and, and advisor alongside his wife, Dr. Jill? Please talk to them. Have him stand down. Like Valerie said, at the end of this, I've done everything I've achieved. I've ever wanted to do. This was a family moment. You have a great opportunity to wrap things in a nice little package and give it Pass the baton. Mm. And he told me Valerie and Jill like what they're doing. It's interesting. In, it's sorry, strange. No, let me invest. It, they like what they're doing as in, in the sense. As in Dr. Jill loves being first lady and that Valerie likes to it. be. They That's like the, the position. And I don't know yeah. that. I mean, I haven't talked to Jill. And, okay. and, but yeah. but I think there's, I think there are. Would he have taken counsel that would have said, what, look, what, this is your elegant exit strategy yeah. and you'll be a fantastic one term president. Yeah. The culmination of 50 years of public service. You've got a great track record. Exactly. Do mm-hmm. you know, get stop while, the, yeah. while you're on top? I mean, why the, you, yeah. you know, at this stage, if he could sort of retire, I mean, he, he had a very good career. He has a great political record, whether you agree with him or not. And to retire gracefully now with a bit of mm. dignity and enjoy whatever is left. Right. I mean, I think that's the way does to it, go. Does it call into question, I mean, uh, uh, on this side of the water, they'd use the phrase constitutional crisis uh, to describe it. So not only do you have the prospect of somebody who controls the so-called nuclear football, whose maybe kind of faculties are diminishing, but you, you've already mentioned the team around him. I mean, the team around him, largely unelected, Effectively turn into decision makers, then don't they? Yeah, like they become they become policy makers. Right, right. it's it's like the in, the infractured king, and they've got all of the advisors that are doing things, and it's not really yeah. rule, being ruled by that monarch. It's being ruled mm. by all the people yeah, the and the advisors around clothes. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and yet, this is the situation that we find ourselves in as we're looking toward the two candidates for the general election. One who also is a word salad chef. And yeah, one, wasn't it for yeah. Namibia? <laughs> and, and, and don't forget pouring water on the on the on the magnet, and it's going to suddenly go. I mean, all the different <laughs> things that he's done lately, and, and will he be? And don't forget his classified document case is still ongoing, yeah. yes. and Special Counsel Jack Smith certainly doesn't suffer fools. So we look forward to seeing what's going to happen with that. Mm. Uh, before I let you go, then can I ask about the referendum, uh, upcoming referendum? So there was um, opinion polls in the paper today, and um, the Irish Examiner had them. Uh, uh, well, uh, the Irish Times, rather, uh, Irish Examiner, of course, in the same stable, so reporting them as well. So that's where I was reading it. But um, about kind of people's preferences as to how they're going to vote. What I found interesting was how few voters know anything about their upcoming referendum, Valerie. I mean, are you, yeah. maybe maybe I'm kind of naive. Maybe you're going to say, well, no, it's, it's a few weeks away and I, exactly. you'd expect this. I wasn't this. surprised okay. by that at all because... The uh, government has prepared um, a booklet explaining everything. That hasn't arrived yet. And I don't think anything's going to happen until it comes in your door and you say, would you have a look at this? This is a load of rubbish. What's it about? People haven't been given a chance yet. And our history in this country is that we don't make up our minds to the last minute. Um, The idea that everybody is going to say yes, I don't know where they're getting that from. I mean, presumably there was some sort of a poll or a survey. Mm. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, these particular Referendums, they're going to be very, very useful. They're going to recognise people who haven't been recognised so far as being um, a, a different type of family. I mean, we've had the nuclear family. We've had the husband, wife, marriage, all of that. And I think it's wonderful to be able to recognise relationships um, where 
people aren't married necessarily and they've a different kind of relationship and I think that is really good and also um, the one thing which I didn't notice anything about but maybe when you read the full documents mm. um, children um, who are brought into this family whether they're surrogate children adopted children or whatever how they're going to be dealt with now the interesting thing is that apparently there's already been a number of cases in the courts dealing with these um melded families or I'm not sure what the terminology yeah. would be. And it's very important that we have the correct legislation um, in the Constitution to be able to look at this and say, yeah, that's that kind of a family. Let's deal with it. This is the legislation. I think it's very important. But I think closer to the date, yeah. uh, people will begin to know more about it. Gina, what, what is interesting, like 52% say they vote yes, only 15% um, of those surveyed intend to vote no that the no vote is much stronger as in that the people who are voting no are likely to know much more about it. That was it. something that was interesting to me about it as, as you read through the two bits of the referendum and what are potentially going it's to be changed in the constitution and 15, but it does though. it was an interesting <laughs> sort of beard scratcher for me because I thought wait the more you know the less like you're going to vote for it and I read it as closely as I could saying huh I actually think it's updating antiquated terminology, as Valerie was saying, for more inclusive terminology. But then maybe I don't know enough either. But it is, I think, the biggest takeaway is that it's early days. Yes, there's going to be a brochure that's going to spell things more out out more quickly. And and we'll see what happens. And I actually get to vote in this. And also, will this be your first referendum to vote in? Yeah. Oh, wow. Don't spoil it now. um, it's kind of an odd thing to have it on the 8th of March, which is International Women's Day. Yes. Because it's almost like this is really good for women, whether you agree with it or not, you know? Yeah. Anyway, listen, uh, we will, as you say, what, the 7th of March is when we'll start worrying about it. Exactly. That's not, that's uh, Congratulations in advance, though, Gina, on voting in your first referendum here. Thank you. Uh, Gina London, leadership communications expert, Sunday Independent columnist, Valerie Cox, journalist and author. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.